You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud, what women are talking about three times a week. I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm Mia Friedman. And I'm Jessie Stevens. And on this show today, this is the first of two shows this Wednesday, Out Louders. This one is the distraction edition. So we are not talking about the American election in this one because not everybody cares and also not everybody wants to think about it. So we are going to talk about other stuff and then most likely, I don't know, can you see any circumstance that we are not going to come back in here at four o'clock? <laughs> yes, but let's not talk about them. <laughs> okay, most likely we are going to be back in here later on today and we're going to record a little one that is about the American election when, as our wise out louder said, there is something worth knowing. But before that, distraction edition. We can't control the news, but we can do one of our favourite things, which is put ourselves in neat little boxes. The personality test that Jesse made us all do this morning. And our recommendations to distract you from the election news and keep you sane. But first... In case you missed it, everyone is sharing pictures of themselves with sex toys on Instagram. And you better believe that my mum is feeling really weird about it. And she's given me some phone calls. Here's some context. So a lot of sex toy brands are spending money on influencer marketing. And it's really clever. They're using people like Abby Chatfield, Flex Mammy, Lacey Jade Christie, Clementine Ford, and dozens of others to talk quite candidly about female pleasure. To put it into context, Let's not forget that something like 75% of all women never reach orgasm from heterosexual intercourse alone, which leaves a pretty sizable orgasm gap. We've talked about that on the podcast before. It's only in the last decade or so that we've even started to have conversations about female pleasure, so surely that is something to be celebrated. But then comes a call from my mum, (laughs) Mum Stevens. She calls and she says that she hasn't eaten breakfast yet and there's an intimate suction device in her Instagram feed. She doesn't like it. She does not like it. You know, for context, she was brought up Irish Catholic. She doesn't like the sex stuff. She doesn't find, she told me the other day, doesn't find masturbation empowering. She couldn't give me much of a reason why, but she just thinks, quote her, we all talk about sex a little too much. She thinks we're all a bit, as a culture, obsessed with sex. She mm. thinks we shouldn't talk about it anymore. So that's her mm. kind of position. Look, I don't agree because to me this is an extension of health and centering female pleasure and let's not forget that this is also a platform that is censoring female nudity like recently with the Celeste Barber situation where you couldn't see her breasts but male nipples are completely fine. It's aversive and it means that women are given permission to advocate for their own sexual needs. But then mum said, what if it was a man posting about a sex toy for men? And in there was all about male sexual pleasure and it was about what their bodies do and how would we feel about that? Would that transgress any sort of social, cultural boundaries? So I want to know what you should think. You're a bit older than me. I'm a little bit more woke, a little bit more progressive. <laughs> but I like to put it to you guys. You're a different wave of feminism. What do you think about sex toys on Instagram, Mia? It's so interesting because when I was editing Cosmo, those kind of ads would go up the back of the magazine in the classifieds, sort of the classified section, which meant people who couldn't afford to buy a big glossy full page ad. So there would be a kind of a 
cheaper version where you could just get a little tiny ad up the back. And that would be in Cosmo and Clear where the sex toys went. But then the fancy advertisers, like the cosmetics advertisers, the beauty ones, the fragrance ones, they would not be in a magazine that had those ads in them anywhere. They refused. So Clio would have those ads, but Cosmo would not have those ads. So that kind of gives you a sense of how far we've come, you know, so to speak. So essentially also these sex toy companies have found new ways to advertise and it certainly takes the taboo out of it. I really like that. There's a lady startup I work with called Lara and she makes a type of sex toy. Her business is called Elixir Play and she makes sex toys and she got into that business because she had a lot of pain during sex because of her endometriosis and so as part of her treatment for that she was advised to break that cycle of sex being painful with a sex toy and then when she started using them she's like gosh this could be done a lot better I reckon Mm. so I did a funny interview with her where she talked about going to factories in Hong Kong and meeting with men and needing to have quite explicit conversations. But back to the influencers for a second, what's interesting to me is that none of those women have children that are very old because can you imagine, Holly, your children aren't on social media but I just think that would push my kids right (laughs) over the edge. It's hard enough being my children let alone having mum on social with a sex toy. That is a very good point because I do sometimes do sponsored posts on my Instagram for things that I like and enjoy and endorse. (laughs) But you are correct that there would be a line there. Even though last night I did, I, I sat through a very woke and excellent presentation about sex education and puberty with my daughter on Zoom. How did that go? That was a school thing, right? Yeah, so now at school all those kind of talks are on Zoom and so it was all the parents and kids were sitting in their homes and on their beds or in their whatever and doing the – and it was really interesting because it was so much better than I had when I was a child. Like, How? I remember when I was a kid, basically the talk about puberty and periods was a lady came to school. She just took the girls off into a room. She unwrapped a tampon and dropped it in a glass of water. Oh, that terrified. I was traumatised by tampons for like 10 years because of that. The tampon goes poof. Yes. In case anybody hasn't seen that My kids used to love doing that with my tampons. Yeah, we used to do that and then we used to slap each other with them and it really hurts (laughs) because it's like wet. Oh, Yeah, yeah, it would hurt. This was very different. There was a really cool woman and she talked really openly and she showed sex organs and she told them that sex was going to be fun and she told them all these things and said it's very not for children, not for children. Uh, it was actually great. But It's interesting think, that she said sex is going to be fun. Well, yeah, she was talking about it in a positive way, like that's it's re- supposed I mean, to feel nice. Like the, all of wow. the thing was it's supposed to feel nice, it's not supposed to be scary. If it's scary, it's not, you know, it's not right. In the countries where they have um, discussion of pleasure within the curriculum – Teenage pregnancy rates are lower, STD rates are lower, all of these really positive things. But it's very rarely in the curriculum yeah. around sex education. No, it's usually around don't get STDs and don't get pregnant. No, there was clitoris conversations. There was oh. all the things. It was very good. However, there were no sex toys. <laughs> and I think although my daughter and the other kids I could see on the Zoom call were all handling it quite well, I think that if it had tipped over into mummy brandishing a <laughs> <laughs> a sex toy. Everything would have been bad. 
Anyway, if you're asking me, do I approve, Jesse? I don't mind. I have to say, I don't really mind. I, I get what Anne, your mum, is saying that sometimes you're just not ready for it. You're like, oh, <laughs> that's, oh, I see. I am a fan because I think it normalizes pleasure, as you say. But the other thing that is interesting about this is that sex toys these days, I can't help but notice, have become very expensive. Right? Yes. It seems not if very... you use the discount code. <laughs> <laughs> it seems very normal for some of these things that are being shown to me on Instagram yeah. to be hundreds of dollars. And there's a sort of message there that you're worth it, right? That your orgasm is worth it, that a $300 orgasm is better than a $15 orgasm. So spend the money. I've heard people say, you know, your skin will never look better and all these things from, from the expensive orgasms. And I your skin sex toys were not that expensive when I was young. Mm. They were like they were cheap. It's become a real yeah. premium product, and they probably weren't as good, or mm. as safe, or as clean, or as whatever. But I think it's really interesting marketing shift how they've managed to make sex toys for young women like quite an exclusive, stylish. Because the other thing is, is that. It used to be that if you were going to buy something like that, you'd be worried about what people thought, mm. you know. But now, of course, if you do buy one of these things on the internet, it'll come in beautiful, sophisticated packaging, very discreet looking. I mean, I think it's great because I think women are getting better at better at knowing what they want. But a cynical part of me is like $300. It's like a new <laughs> generation, isn't it? It's kind of like what Apple did for the iPhone this new generation of sex toys are doing for vibrators, which even in the day of Sex in the City, remember the rabbit? I mean, they yes. were sort of ugly, big, weird contraptions and you'd have to go into like a sex shop and you'd, it was just fairly intimidating and all the imagery around it and the graphics were all horrible, which a lot of these new cool brands that are using influencers and stuff are designed and, and owned by women. Yeah, exactly right. And I, I reckon it's all part of culturally our obsession with owning women's sexuality and when they go off and do something like advertise a sex toy it's like hang on since when do you get a like it's it's kind of that archaic what do you mean but also catholic view i suppose we're happy to use women's sexuality to sell Uh, other things such as a car yeah but when women use their sexuality to sell things to other women that actually have to do with sex we're like hang on That's too close to home. And I think that makes us a bit uncomfortable. I also think that it's a bit of an antidote to porn because let's not pretend that 12-year-olds aren't scrolling through their phones and watching. I think that's the average age, even younger now, for watching pornography. So we're okay with them having those images and the objectification of women. But then when they become the subject, I think we get a little bit antsy. And at least... As we say, this is also educating men, which is that, hey, women might need this in order to orgasm and, you know, for years and years we've thought that a penis is enough. So I don't know. I think that it's it's definitely new. I feel like it's just in the last six months there's been a, a big push towards it and I'm sure that, you know, mum will come round. <laughs> Tell us what you think. We want to know what you think about sex toys on your Instagram feed before breakfast. Is that a good thing? Does it start the day right? Or is it a little confronting? You can tell us what you think anytime about anything we talk about by recording a voice memo on your phone, which is super easy to do, and emailing it to outloud at mamamia.com.au or jumping in the Facebook group Mamma Mia Out Loud is where all the best conversations happen. Hi, Mamma Mia Out Loud. I'm Sophie from England, living in the Middle East. One of my friends lived in Australia for a year and she told me about this podcast and I'm so glad she did. 
You guys make me want to live in Australia. Maybe when things are more normal, I might. Just thanks for keeping us sane three times a week. There's a lot that's out of our control today. <laughs> a lot. But something we all find soothing is categorising ourselves into lovely little generalised boxes, I find. Introvert and extrovert, Sagittarius and whatever the other star signs are. There's a lot of comfort in being self-identifying. Yes, that's me. I'm like that. That's exactly what I'm like. I remember ticking boxes in magazine quizzes when I was young. Did you do that, Mia? I bet you oh, did. Yeah. yeah, and I wrote a few of them I too. I bet you did. And at the bottom you could add up all the numbers. Yeah. And then I remember when I got my first job as a manager, I had to do one of those Myers-Briggs tests and by then I was like very rebellious about it. I was like, don't tell me who I am. Don't think you know me. Yeah. <laughs> I was very like that. But now I'm back on board I've come full circle so when Jesse said today we all had to do the four temperaments test I was totally into it now it's a theory the four temperaments that goes back a very long way all the way to ancient Greece and Hippocrates who believed that all our personality traits could be broken down into four and were related to our insides like basically physical traits secretions within our body secretions I know I'm so into it (laughs) The four temperaments are sanguine, that's described primarily as being highly talkative, enthusiastic, more extroverted, charismatic and social. Hold, do you mean sanguine? It's not <laughs> like linguine. It's spelled like sanguine. linguine. Well, no, it's sanguine. <laughs> oh, I've been saying it as sanguine. It's for not my whole sanguine. <laughs> it's sanguine. All right, sanguine well, schnitzel. It's not There's spelled like penguin. Choleric. 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 More, again, extroverted, independent, decisive, goal-oriented, ambitious, melancholic, analytical and detail-oriented, deep thinkers and feelers, and phlegmatic. Oh, that's you. Lots of phlegm. <laughs> Funnily <laughs> enough, Mia. <laughs> that's exactly what lies said. She's right. Yeah. Um, phlegmatic individuals tend to be relaxed, peaceful, quiet and easygoing. They're sympathetic and caring. So we all did the test, except Mia, did you do the test? I don't need to do the test. I ran out of time because <laughs> I was watching CNN, but I know exactly which one I am. Which one are you? I'm chol- choleric, which I thought was great. It sounded like individuals tend to be more extroverted. They're described as independent, decisive, goal-oriented and ambitious, which I'm like, yes. <laughs> These combined with their dominant result-oriented outlook make them natural leaders. I'm like, yeah, that's me. And then it says, in Greek, medieval and Renaissance thought, they were also violent, vengeful and short-tempered. Ooh. See, that's what sold it to me. That's also that's, me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I got sanguine, which what? doesn't seem – I think the test is broken. So I wouldn't take the test at Had you just value. had a coffee? I think so. I think I was being the person I wanted to be, not the um. person I am in my test. There was something about being volatile, which I'll agree with that, but I've never in my life been described as charismatic. Think Aww. about it. No one's ever said – you're a charismatic person. No. They say things like, you're moody, but not really likeable necessarily. You are so melancholic. I'm I'm a classic textbook melancholic. Actually, the sanguine one has chronically late, which I obviously related with, but the melancholic one has procrastinator, prone to depression and moodiness, cautious. I'm cautious with some things, like I don't like ice skating because I feel like I'm going to fall over. <laughs> Well, That's will. the first thing that came to my head. I was like, hmm, I don't like ice skating. <laughs> and creative. And I was like, well, that's exactly what I am. Definitely a melancholic. Hull? I was a sanguine with a very close second in phlegm. 
Flem. You <laughs> so flem. <laughs> I was sanguine 17, but phlegm 16. So very close. And yeah. it's funny because I realized what the flaw was in this and everything else. So it does it's so it does sound kind of like me. It says I'm fundamentally spontaneous and pleasure seeking. I like social gatherings, which I kind of do to a point. <laughs> to a point, let's be honest. Very social. And creative and blah 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 blah. A little bit sarcastic, all of those things. Yes. But then I realized why we don't think that these are us. And there's a flaw in all of these tests, and that's that we do them, right? Yes. Because how self-aware are we really? Because it's like there's a very famous line in When Harry Met Sally where where Carrie Fisher's character says, everybody thinks they have a sense of humour and good taste, but they couldn't possibly all have a sense of humour and good taste. And that is very true. And we all think that we're self-aware. How often do you say about somebody else? <laughs> they really, really lack self-awareness. They're really not very self-aware. I've said it about no. Mia like twice in the last so 24 hours. <laughs> not self-aware at all. But it isn't possible that we're all self-aware. So I think that really you should get someone who knows you well to do one of these tests for you to find out. Because of course you're going to go like, yeah, I love spontaneous things. And no, I'm not afraid of anything. And I'm so easygoing and people love me. But that's why those tests like the Myers-Briggs one, they're often, they'll trick you into telling the truth. Mm. So they won't say, are you spontaneous? Do you have a good sense of humour? It's more they'll paint scenarios and ask you how you'd react in those But it scenarios. has like, I think this one had like, do you get angry easily? And I was like, well, when it's valid. Yeah, yes, like I do. I do. Like what define easily. <laughs> and there are just certain things like everyone thinks they're logical broad. and everyone thinks that they have not. <laughs> a good judge of character. Everyone thinks oh, that. I oh, do. Very I, few I, people I do. I don't. No, you definitely don't. <laughs> I'm a terrible so judge of character. you are quite self-aware. Really? Yeah, I'm t- a terrible judge yeah, of character and I'm not logical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting. If you want to take the test, we'll put the link to it in the show notes. I think it's interesting that we all love these kind of things, even though we're possibly tricking them all the time that we're doing them. I reckon you should get Claire to do yours. I think I should too. I I can't believe I didn't get melancholic. I just, I, I you yeah. You feel ripped off, don't you? you? very upset. You need to talk to that Hippocrates dude. I know. It's not all right. Anyway, we are going to finish this first Wednesday episode of Mom Mirror Out Loud with some recommendations that are all about distraction because lots of people want to be distracted. Jesse, recommend something. I was going to recommend Athlete A, but then I realised that it was no. all about the sexual abuse of no. young gymnasts and I was Jesus like, no, no, they're going to get me in trouble. They're going to get me in trouble. That's Melancholic not what they meant. That's much? not what they meant. So we're going to put that aside. But if you want to watch it, it's on Netflix. <laughs> I'm going to recommend Eucalyptus the Plant. What? Um, basically, I went. <laughs> Who is she? Have you been smoking it? <laughs> I went to a shop recently and I bought some like it's eucalyptus. It's actually a tree, not a plant. <laughs> well, I didn't buy a tree. I bought these plant things, branches. You're a koala. Yes. I bought these things and it cost me $5 and I put them in this little vase and it's been sitting on my coffee table for weeks and when they die they still look really pretty and they smell so good they smell like christmas tree and joy this is not a distraction for today you've not filled the i think everyone should buy eucalyptus i need something that i can bury myself in immediately what would it be go athlete a the documentary about (laughs) sexual abuse mia 
I'm going to say the split. I know this was my recommendation, but I'm I'm eking it out. If you want something that you're so immersed in that you think about nothing else while you're watching it, that's what this show is for me. And it's been a really long time. It's about a family law firm run by a family of women in London. And I'm up to season two. I've got two episodes left of season two. They're short seasons, six episodes in one, six episodes in two. And I'm saving them for tonight in case I'm having a nervous breakdown ah. because they are so immersive. You know, if you're sometimes watching a show and I be with my headphones and I'll just talk to the screen like, no way. And oh my God. And oh, all that kind of stuff. It. And I never want to look at my phone while I'm watching it. Never. Ah. And sometimes I watch it while I'm on the treadmill and it makes the time go really, really fast. And I enjoy it. That's how I feel about my eucalyptus, but apparently that's not. <laughs> we don't. Right. Hole. I'm recommending something that is on my phone because what I'm finding is, uh, as I've been gripped with a bit of angst this week, is that I am on my phone reading the news about, you know, the pandemic and about the American election. And then I'm like, oh, flip over to something that makes me feel good. So I've been following some new accounts on Instagram that make me feel good. I posted last night on my account the things that I like to be distracted with and they're everything from like Brad Pitt to spaghetti and wine and puppies, basically. But there are two Instagram accounts I'm going to recommend to you. One of them is specifically for people who like to look at pictures of Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt from when they were together in the 90s. It's called Jen Pitt. So, Jen with two N's. Yep, J-E-N-N Pitt. That's a very specific niche it that is. I am really into. <laughs> yeah, and I am so, I can't even, some of the pictures, you feel like you haven't seen them before. Remember her orange oh, cargo pants? So much of the orange cargo pants, so much 90s goodness and early noughties goodness. It's just the best. So it's, I think they were just stoned for that, most oh, of their Oh, he is age. so stoned in yeah. all the pictures. And he's laughing a lot. He looks happy. Yeah. Anyway, that is a very specific niche. The other one, now don't judge me for this, but there's an Instagram account, I don't know, lots of famous people follow this and it's called if you high right now i'm not high guys i want to put a disclaimer out there that i am not high unlike brad pitt and jennifer aniston in the 90s but if you high is basically an instagram account that has lots of videos of things like soap carving like sinkhole sinking like geographic patterns like things that distract you and are just soothing to i find very soothing to watch yeah waves like really weird drone footage that looks really weird it's a bit out there, but I find it really soothing. On the bus this morning, I was looking, listening to The Quickie, which is an excellent episode all about the three things that are likely to happen today, but I needed to be distracted. I just found myself watching soap carving. Soothing. The hot metal melting, all of these things, really soothing. So I recommend those things for you today. Can I recommend an Instagram account? Yes. There is someone called... Caitlin Riley and she's the funniest person on TikTok and I follow her on Instagram. If you don't have TikTok, all of them are just on Instagram. I promise you she will make you laugh. She's an actress. I think she's from LA or something. And she does the funniest like 15, 20 second videos where it'll be like that that girl from high school writes her wedding vows and it's just a really funny impersonation of someone doing their wedding vows. She does funny influencer impersonations. So, so good. Every time I watch one of her things, I laugh. Go and find her. Her name's Caitlin with a C, Riley. I am writing that down right now. We will put all these things in our show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Out Loud, the first one of the day. There will be another one later on. Mia has already exited the podcast studio to go and see what's happening. She is. Holly and I remain. I I don't want to know, even though I can pick up my phone and find out. This episode was produced by Emma Gillespie. The executive producer of Mamma Mia Out Loud is Eliza Ratliff. We'll see you on Mamma Mia. Bye.
Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.